Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score that would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America that focuses upon the history and memorability of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selection of football cards and memorabilia on the web at msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored in part by BSD Auctions. Check out their website, bsdauctions.com, and make sure you register for the next upcoming auction soon to be held. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my guest co-host, who's a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian who has an advanced collection of football cards and memorabilia. He hails from Virginia. I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Jeff Payne. Jeff, welcome to the show this evening. Uh, thanks, Bob. I appreciate it. I see you promoted me to senior contributing author of the magazine last time. I didn't get to comment on that. I'm wondering if that comes with new business cards or something or any anything I can get for that? For the uh for for the senior contributing writer? Yeah. Not... <laughs> get him Yeah, I used to just be By contributing I writer. Now you bump me up in pay grade. I'm pretty well, the excited last about that. Articles, I think Put you on the upper echelon the of uh, football card research, so that, that's uh, uh, quite a uh, increase to say the least. But I'll tell you, it's only I appreciate it. Since we, we we talked recently, and um, we we actually didn't even get through everything we were going to talk about. But I was, uh, I got a few comments on the show after, and they just couldn't believe what's involved in your collection. And I said <laughs> I was very honored that. I'm very honored you were uh, you're able to come on as a guest uh, co-host uh, to fill in for our regular co-host Joe Squires, who is currently in Australia. I had a chance to um, text Joe early this morning, and he is doing fine, and he's wishing Good. everyone here well, and he is also wishing you well in your guest co-host position. And um, he just hopes he has a job when he gets back, and uh, I told him he should be able to. But Jeff, I do appreciate yeah. you being uh, filling in for Joe. They're big show, very big shoes to fill, to say the least. But I want to get right into some uh, some uh, discussion before we have our guests come on tonight. 
What are some of the interesting items that we've seen come to auction recently? There, there's a bunch of auction houses that have had some very, very interesting items, to say the least. What's your take on and what have you seen uh, go through the market, let's say, over the past few months? Yeah, well, the, the first thing has got to be BST auction. I know you and, and Joe talked about this auction when it was going on. And you had Mike Blaisdell on the show, whose collection, part of his collection was in the recent BST auction. Just a phenomenal mm-hmm. amount of great football stuff. I mean, to give anybody out there that, that wasn't tracking the auction a perspective, usually in an auction, you know, since I have all the mainstream cards, I'm looking for oddball food products. I'm looking for memorabilia. Usually when an auction hits, and I try to, I try to um, you know, peruse them all, at least, to look at what's out there. I'll put in mm-hmm. eh, five to ten opening bids just so I've got a placeholder seat at the table, so to speak. So in case I, I, I really want to focus on something, I can I can bid on it later. I counted up. I went through BST, and I only put stuff on things I don't have, right? Um, I, can, mm-hmm. I went through and did that in BST. I looked back. I, I put 52 bids in wow. on the BST auction. And good thing wow. there's other bidders is all I can say because if I had won all that, I'd be like mortgaging my home. So, <laughs> but there was just so much incredible one of a kind or low rare pop, you know, low pop rare cards in that auction. It was incredible, um, and some great mainstream sets too, or top or um, cards as well. I'm sure you saw that there were some PA, mm-hmm. PSA eight. Um, you know, high-grade, nice rookie cards, a Jim Brown PSA 8. There was a, a Bart Starr and a Unitas um, mm-hmm. that all went for a pretty decent amount of money um, in, in the BST auction. You know, it is interesting, though, that if you look at the, the prices for the Hall of Famers, uh, rookie cards, they've come down considerably in the last right. couple of years over what they were. What is and it, let me let me throw this question out before we go any further. What do you, what's your take on that? Why do you think? A couple of people have asked me about that, and I've I've given my own opinion, but I'm I'm curious to hear what you think about it. Yeah, well, we always say that cards kind of go with the economy. This is clearly not that case because the economy is rolling along, the stock market's rolling along, and these cards are not rolling along. Um, my right. sense is that you know part of it, you know, being a little bit paranoid, I I got to wonder about the validity. Of some of those bids and, and some of those results, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not accusing anybody of, of shilling or, or cards going for prices and then not really changing hands or any shenanigans or people holding prices because they own one, any of that stuff. But I, I don't know how to explain it otherwise, because nothing changed other than, you know, mid 2014, all of a sudden, all of the Hall of Fame rookie cards shot through the roof. Now, of course, it might just be a case of there were, you know, three, four, five hardcore, you know, Hall of Fame collectors who moved into the market, you know, collecting mm-hmm. rookie cards, and maybe they were butting heads against each other consistently. But, um, you know, the prices, you know, they were like tripling in, in a couple of months, and they stayed at that level for a, a good year, year and a half, and then they dropped right back down to where they were, you know, four years ago. So mm-hmm. maybe some shenanigans or just maybe – some people with, you know, discretionary funding that all decided to, to get into the rookie card, high-grade rookie card game at the same time, and the prices um, shot up considerably um, during that well, period my, of time. What do you, I mean, what do you think? Well, the one thing I, I've thrown out to several people that I'm very close to in the hobby, and, you know, you just take it for, for what it's worth, Castellina and the Hunt collection, did that really run mm. up prices? And I'm I'm very curious about it because again, it, to me, it seems like they cornered the market on a few cards. And again, they had the they had the money to put into the cards because they did want the number one collection. And pretty much, it is a, a pretty extreme collection to say the least. But I'm wondering if that had a, a very strong influence right at that time as they were building the collection. And again, if you look at our hobby, you know, again. Who are we competing, you know, the real advanced collectors, who are they competing against? They pretty much know who they're buying against, you know, especially if it's a rare oddball card or let's say it's a Shotwell or it's a, a Spalding or whatever it may be. You, you got a, you got a pretty strong idea who you're going up against. But is it a situation now with the rookie cards, you know, could it 
been the hunt influence into the market? Could it be people are finally recognizing that football cards are undervalued, so they're going to get into the market, you know, at they where they feel comfortable in paying for the cards? Or mm-hmm. again, is it just a question that people overbid on it because they needed to have it? And like you're saying, you know, the three to five guys who are trying to run that Hall of Fame, uh, you know, grade as high as possible, they're they're willing to pay anything that they can just to get it type of situation. So it's a it's a tough call, and and I and I really believe it needs to be analyzed a little more clearly, especially if you're one of those people trying to buy those cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I, again, uh, and I, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and as somebody who feels like they missed out on the kind of the not, not high grade but pretty decent grade Hall of Fame rookie cards, because that was something that when I was getting in, back into the hobby, I considered you know, focusing some attention on and decided to pass, um, you know, I was kicking myself when the prices started really going up because I was like, well, shoot, are these ever going to come back down where they're going to be affordable again? Um, right. Now they are getting affordable again for whatever reason. But, yeah, I can see what you're saying. I I, I understand and, and think that might have had something to do with it. Um, it certainly bumped it up, and, and the prices stayed up there. Uh, I also heard stories of, you know, overseas investors, a few people – who were in the hobby yep. mentioned that um, there were some overseas people who were looking at it as an investment opportunity and, and got into the hobby really from just an investment point of view. I don't know if they stayed or they sold, um, you know, riding it up and then selling off before it went down. I don't know, but I've heard stories of that as well. Right. Right. I've heard, I've heard that for the past five, five, ten, five, six years now that there are overseas buyers in the market. And again, I'm sure there are one way or the other, but at the same time, you know, to me, some of the prices that were, that were realized a few years back to me were utterly ridiculous. I couldn't see how they, they yeah. can be maintained, you know? And I, I think this is proving it, you know, starting that softness in the market, starting to see that, that minor correction. I myself am comfortable because as you know, being the dinosaur that I am, I, I own very few graded <laughs> cards. So my Jimmy Brown rookie card is the same Jimmy Brown rookie card I've had for probably 30 years now. My Unitas rookie card is the same. The star is the same, so on and so forth. And, I, and you know, compared to what I see slab, my, my, I got my cards for pennies on the dollar. You know what I mean? So I, 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 I'm comfortable with what I have. But at the same time, again, somebody who, who desires a PSA 7, a PSA 8, a PSA 9, they sometimes may think illogically and just, uh, you know, if they got the cash to say, Hey, I'm going for it. I'm going to, I'm going to pay whatever I have to in the market and, and run it up. So yep. uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing, good thing for the hobby, but again, you know, I'm, I'm on the sidelines looking at this just as you are. And uh, it, it, you know, in a way it concerns me and in a way it's probably the best thing that could ever happen for the hobby to see that kind of money in the hobby at the same time. Right. So, it's a yep. it's a tough call either way. I also got to throw out uh, one point with the last two BST auctions. Anybody who got the printed catalog from those auctions, by all means, please hold on to that in your collection, because that is probably going to be one of the best reference tools you're going to have in looking and seeing at those items. Because to mm-hmm. me. As far as the Beckett book is concerned, you, you don't have that kind of display. You don't have that kind of picture. You don't have that kind of write-up on those cards as you did in that in the, in the BSC auction catalogs. And to me, it's a historical catalog. And don't throw it out. Whatever you do, you know, don't 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 put it in the recycling bin or whatever. Make sure that's on your football card bookshelf there, because it's uh, essential essential reading to say the least. Anything else did you see uh, lately, Jeff? Yeah, just a couple. So a couple of rare things came up on BST that I thought were really cool. You know, I'm sure Joe was all over the 1949 Leaf uncut sheet that came up, yeah, the football uncut yeah. sheet. That was just phenomenal. Went for like yeah. over 4,700 bucks. Just a beautiful example of a very rare, hard to find uncut sheet. Um, that was right. really cool. And then that football exhibit checklist with Chuck Bignerig mm-hmm. on it that I know you and Joe talked about. That went for way more than I expected it would. Um, yeah, now, yeah. I know it's the only one known to exist, but there are a few um, kind of thinner versions of it out there. 
right. some skepticism about it. And is it legit or is it one of the thin ones that got pasted on cardboard? Nobody knows for sure, but it just it's a phenomenal item. And it went for like forty five hundred yeah. bucks. Well, that completely that blew me out of the water. To me, that one is the real deal. I mean, that uh, coming from cool. Mike's collection, that's the real deal. That's not a not a. Uh, I know what you're talking about. The and I've seen them, the thin ones where they would just take the photo or the poster mm-hmm. at that time and then paste it over the cardboard, which is which was very common at that time. And I hey. I would venture to say that piece in existence today. Uh, how many pieces exist? I don't know. I don't have a handle. But even originally when they were printed, I don't think a lot of those were printed at, in, in the beginning. I, I really don't. I think they were hmm. few and far between, and uh, those were exceptionally rare, to say the least. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I was comfortable seeing the price on that. I, I said to myself, that's probably yeah. what it's worth, as far as, far as I'm concerned. That's rare. Work. Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. All, in fact, you're right. I mean, if, I know there were some collectors that didn't run it up because they were worried that perhaps it wasn't legit. Who knows what? Right. Um, if they had gotten that graded, um, and maybe because it's a one of a kind, it's the kind of thing that the you know the grading companies aren't going to touch because they don't have any way to to really verify it. But um, right. if you could ever determine that it was legitimate, I think you're right. And in fact, I think that's a deal. If um, you could ever prove that it was legitimate, maybe you saw an advertisement or something. If you if one of those things ever comes up that that demonstrates that it's legit and you could get it graded, right. the, the right. price of that thing would skyrocket. Right. Well, and, and, and looking at it, and not looking at it physically, but looking at it through the catalog and seeing some pictures that were sent to me, I just said, mm. uh, you know, this this Beautiful. is rare, rare. And uh, in all the years I've sure been is. in football, I've never seen anything like that. So that's that's uh, it, w- it was an amazing piece to say the least. So I thought that was uh, great. All right, wrapping it up, uh, we're going to have to move on because our guest is here. And at this time, I'd like to introduce our special guest tonight, who is a longtime super collector of football cards and memorabilia, someone who I've known and traded card with, cards with for probably over 25 years now. And uh, we also visit and have a good conversation at the National Sports Collectors Convention each year. He hails from Michigan. I'd like to introduce super football collector, Mr. Mike Rich. Mike, welcome to the show this evening. Thanks, Bob. Uh, great to talk to you again and hear all this inf- interesting stuff from you and Jeff. So, <laughs> As to, Just to let the audience know, again, I've known Mike probably over 25 years. We traded uh, many, many years ago, and we haven't stopped trading since. Talked about a lot of different things over the years, the hobby, and I'm, I'm very happy to have you on the show. Now, I'm going to put you right on the spot. With our first question, how'd you get into collecting, and in particular football cards, as I know you collect all four major team sports? Right. Well, like you know, most kids, um, you know, during summers we'd go out and play little league uh, baseball and whatnot. And as the seasons changed, in my area it was flag football and whatnot. Uh, so I had started collecting cards. Um, very funny anecdote. I have two younger sisters, and my parents learned at a young age uh, that for five cents a day, they could have the world's greatest babysitter. And that was <laughs> it, 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 the true story that, you know, we go out, you know, summer vacation, whatever, and you get up in the morning, you go out and play all day until you're called home for lunch, you go out after lunch until you're called home for dinner and go out until you're called home for, you know, bath or bedtime. Well, my parents learned that um, if they gave me a pack of cards after dinner every day, uh, I'd be a good kid. So it was dependent (laughs) upon, it was dependent, uh, my receiving the pack of cards was dependent upon neither of my sisters tattling on me or any of the neighbors calling up and complaining. <laughs> so, so the days I didn't get a pack, the very next day I was the most angelic kid in the neighborhood. Uh, the neighbors would be calling up my mom and call them off. We don't need help taking our groceries in. I don't need help crossing the street. Um, so I would get a pack of cards after dinner almost every day. 
And, wow. you know, like most kids, you know, you end up having a few short prints you needed and this or that. And I'd start going to, we had local car shops back in the day. And I would try to fill it in. And I was starting, you know, as the seasons changed, the football cards started coming in. And I started saying, hey, you know, I play flag football. I watch football on TV. Let's do the football card. And because the baseball had all these short prints and the sets were so big and the superstars were so expensive for a kid, the football sets were fantastic. I could get them at the time. This was the late 60s, early 70s uh, type thing for a couple cents a card. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a paper route. I make $10 a week. I could go out and get 300 cards for 10 bucks. Um, It was fantastic. And uh, so with the smaller sets, the superstars not costing as much uh, and no short prints. I didn't know about 1972 high numbers for a little while yet. (laughs) Um, Join the club by that one. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, So I started, you know, doing the football sets because they were much more affordable and um, I could complete them. Uh, We had a shop, uh, it was about 45 minutes from my house. Um, And my mom would drive me out there about once a month. And this guy would let me sit there on the floor in his back room and go through, and I saw these 1965 Tops football, these taller cards, you know, the the tall boys, which I had never seen before. What what are these, why are they not the same size as the regular standard cards? So being an oddball person, these oddball cards really attracted me. And he was selling to me 65 Tops football for three cents a card. I think my name has cost me $5. I still have my name at the five bucks. Wow. Uh, that's forty some odd years ago. That was big but, money. Uh, it yeah. really was, you know. And, that's incredible. Uh, that really got me into it. And, uh, wow, that's I mean, that's uh, that's a great story, Mike. Um, that's the way collecting was meant to be done. Um, you know, kudos to you for putting that together. And so, so. So much like so many collectors and how we got started. Uh, what What's in your football card collection? What runs are you working on, Seth? I mean, tell us a little bit more about specifically what you're focusing on, and do you have a certain run you're going after or particular sets? I mean, how do you go about you know, collecting football? Right. Well, I am a set builder. Um, I like getting the complete sets. So, you know, I started with tops. Um, the Kellogg's cards came out while I was still a kid, so you know, a whole lot of Frosted Flakes later. Uh, <laughs> I had my 70 and 71 <laughs> Kellogg's football. Um, oh, you, you know, collected we, we all those, but through the, you got them all through boxes? No, I had to get some at shows and through okay. trading. That's impressive, though. And, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate. As Bob mentioned, we've been trading now through the mail for over 25 years. And um, I'm an active online trader uh, with folks. Uh, My email is mikesportsfan at AOL.com. And people just Google my want list, Mike Rich, want list, and all my wants show up. And I've been trading all these years to try and finish my sets. But I started with the tops, and I've been working my way back. I finished the 51 tops on up, I do vintage cards, so pre-1980. I finished the tops from 51 on up and work on the 1950 tops football, which a lot of people don't even realize exists, uh, the average right. collector, not the serious collectors. And um, I got about two-thirds of that set done now. And I've got wow. some of the 1948 tops magic football. Still need some of those to work on that. The Bowman football, I'm down to one last card to complete the Bowman mm-hmm. football run. Which uh, is? 52, yeah. The 52 Bowman large Stidaher. Uh, it's one of the Number 99. Short prints in the set. Yep. Number 99, you got it. 
You know, now, if it was Wayne Gretzky, I'd understand. But Stitterher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, Crazy, you know, isn't it? Cards divisible by nine and the uh, 52 Bowman Large are very tough to find. And that one is, you know, in the Langsford number 144, the last card in the set. Whew, very, very tough cards to get. So You know, all, uh, the, years, done that, all the years I've been – all the years I've been going to shows, and I, and I still have the number 99 on your want list that I look for. I still haven't <laughs> seen anything here on the East Coast. It's amazing. This is, this is truly Hard amazing. That is yeah, a short prints are tough. That is yeah. a difficult card to find. Okay, Mike, right. keep going. And, yeah, and the fun part is, is I'm a pure collector. So, like Bob, I... Do I have a few graded cards in my collection that I, I obtained when they were graded and I've left them that way? Yes. But I don't grade cards. And I've always divided cards up into sharp, acceptable, and trashed. And I'm just looking for acceptable, generally speaking. You know, a nice VG card that presents well. Uh, you know, maybe it showed someone loved it for a while, you know, put a little crease in it or something handling it. Are, are just fine with me, and the fact that I can't find the her tells you just how tough a card it is. And uh, Bob and I have helped each other out with our 48 leaf football, the high number short print. And Bob, Very I think uh, I helped you finish finish yours, right? Yep, you um, clean, you finished my set back yeah. in two, and I'm, I'm going to point out the year. It was 2006. That trade took wow, place. Wow, remember that? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that was, I write everything down. So, oh, okay. That was, that was a, a brutal last card to find. Couldn't find it anywhere, and we we were on the phone or whatever. So, oh yeah, I got one. I'll send it to you. No problem. So, uh, so was that not Lelini? I'm yeah. sorry. So, who was yeah. that? Was that Leo Namolini to finish your set? Yeah. So I'm still working on the high numbers. I'm down to about 15 of them. Uh, of course, I finished the 49 set, and uh, I don't have the variations in the 48s either, you know, with the sleeves and the different colors and that. I haven't gotten to that mm-hmm. point yet, but I am working you know, on the Leaf football um, to go with it. And then the set that I refer to as my one a year, uh you know, the main pre-war set, I, you know, the male cut plug originals are out of my mm. range. Mm-hmm. But the National Chickle, the 1935 National Chickle, mm. my goal I said about 10 years ago was to get one card a year in that set. And before I die, I'm going to finish the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I've dialed the nine high numbers. Uh I've got all the low numbers now, and the Nagurski's going to kill me when I finally get down to Nagurski. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's a goal to get one card a year in that set. So I've only got another month to strike for 2017. Oh, uh, good boy. Mm. Yeah. So you've heard it. You've heard it on the podcast. Anybody got any spare high number 35 chickles? You got Mike's you go. uh, email address. You can uh, – They'll appreciate it to say the least. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, is all Mike? Are, are all the things you just described? Are those on your your? Um, oh yes. Um, yep. On your want list that you have published, so they're all there, yes. so people can see it. Okay, great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, they just Google Mike Rich football want list. They'll all pop up. And uh, yeah, those are things I'm you know currently looking for. Um, Something I recently picked up that I haven't been able to even find a little catalog for was some uh, Hall of Fame football postcards. I don't know if mm-hmm. they came out in the 70s or whatnot. Uh, just have to find them thrown into a little group of stuff I purchased. And uh, so that'll be the next thing for me to start researching and uh, throw that up You're on not the talking- list. You're not talking about the uh, goal line art cards, right? You're talking about the stri- the ones that the Pro Football Hall of Fame issued? Uh, I think these were issued by the Pro Football Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. 
That's something I think and, we talked about a couple of years back, and I don't have anything on it myself. So that is that is a tough set to research to find out what yeah. what, what was actually in it or not. But that's that's uh, that's a tough one, to say the least. Yeah, and I was lucky. I just stumbled across about a small group lot of different things, and I saw them there, and I, you know, showed them to the dealer, and he just kind of threw them in this stack of five or six of them for like a buck. It was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> you, can't, you can't turn that down. Unbelievable. Um, Unbelievable. So there's always well, new things. Uh, I was going to say, so there's always new things that I'm still finding uh, to throw out there and add to my want list. And as much as uh, the sets get finished, new stuff still seems to go on there. Uh, it's never mm-hmm. ending. Um, I was recently going through uh, the – standard catalog of vintage football cards the SCD puts out their big guide. Mm. And I kind of counted up, and um, I think they had like 405 sets or so listed um, 1980 and prior. Mm-hmm. Uh, 32 of those were Coke cap sets, which I kind of do mm-hmm. separately. Um, and I have, I don't know, 117 different vintage sets completed now um, wow. out of what I'm figuring is, you know, the 370, 360, whatever the number is there. Um, so only about a third of the vintage sets that are listed have I completed. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the team-issued stuff, you know, where you have, uh, you know, Packer sets. I know, Bob, you love your Packers. And, uh, you know, so the different team issued sets from there, or, you know, the late to late Packers in the 60s, which, of course, mm-hmm. have some short prints I haven't picked up yet. Uh, the regional issues are always tough. You know, I'm based here mm-hmm. in the Detroit area, and uh, so trying to find team issued stuff from around the country, uh, even mm-hmm. going to the national show and whatnot, is uh, a big challenge for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Unbelievable. But uh, so those those are kind of the runs I've done. You know, the Bowman, the Flair, the uh, Tops, the Philadelphia, the Kellogg's, uh, the '62 Post. Um, and I didn't stop at the border. Being in Detroit, uh, I can actually drive south to get to Canada. Uh, one of the few anomalies here in the U.S. that that can happen. So Canadian football was something I could watch on TV back before cable TV existed. So uh-huh. I started collecting Canadian football cards and completed the Topps Opeachy Canadian football run. Uh-huh. So that helped add to the number as well. So those wow. are you know, a lot of the sets in my collection. And Unbelievable. You know, the, the inserts add to it. Now, have you guys started getting the- into the variations? Either of you collect variation cards? Uh, I I do some. I don't. I haven't started or tried on the forty-eight leaf. I I've, I know a lot of people have. Um, <clears throat> I've been working and just finished the master set for the felt backs, which was hard. For which, for which set? The tops nineteen fifty tops felt back set. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, just completed the the two color brown yellows for the uh, you know, the ones that are yeah. um, you know different backgrounds and um, you know a, a few few sets I've worked on the the uh, variations but not a lot of them. How about yourself? Well, it's funny. Um, you know, I'm in groups with other traders, and um, these guys are continuously finding more variations of stuff that was issued decades ago. And some of them are, you know, absurd. You know, uh, the checklists have one asterisk in the copyright or two asterisks in the copyright. So even though that's absurd, I've gone after that in the 73 and 74 tops football checklist cards and things of that nature. Um, you know, I see that I see that all the time with the the flare in action stickers, and some of the stuff to me is just like a, 
you know, a printer, a printing issue more than anything else. I don't think it's a real variation. You know what I mean? We talked about this a long time right. ago, but, but I, right. I just can't, it's just too extreme for me to, to start collecting that stuff at the same time. Well, the one set I love for that, and I wish I had better eyesight, is the 1963 Topps football. It had extra red ink, although it appears to be purple to me. Um, I'm told by experts it's actually red ink. Um, on, like, every card in the set you can find coming with or without this purplish color in the background. And you Mm -hmm. almost have to do side-by-side comparisons, or if you put it under, you know, microscopes or loops, you can see the extra red dots um, to do it. And some of them are striking, the differences in the... um, That's extreme. Sometimes that's on a... There's different cards, and they look very different. So the 63 Tops football uh, is one of my latest challenges is just collecting them. And then I sit there side by side and try to figure out if they're different than what I already have or not. <laughs> wow. Hey, Mike, uh, let me ask yeah. you, put you on the spot. What What are six of your most favorite items in your collection? And did you purchase them at a show, online trade them, got them at an auction? How'd you get them? Okay. Um, Well, among my favorites are, I have some 1948 Bowman football when I was trying to put the set together. Most of us are familiar. They came in uh, three series, uh, Mm -hmm. 147, 10, 25811, 36912, so on. And the last series, the Visible by 3, is much shorter printed and whatnot. And they all end up on all our lists as the last ones we need to finish the set. And I was searching for them, and I found some with um, red ink written over. Someone had taken a red pen and written over some of the numbers on the back, the card number. Uh, if you remember the set, the, um, there's no names on the front of the cards. Right. It's just a black, black and white photo. Not knowing who the cards were I needed, um, I'm buying the numbers that I needed only to find out that I bought a stack of about 20 or so wrong back 1948 Bowman football. Wow. The, the backs wow. are the divisible by three series, and the fronts, I believe, are divisible by two series. Uh, That's so pretty cool. they're among like, yeah, they they really are. Um, so unfortunately, there is a red ink mark on the back by where the card number should be, uh, mm-hmm. where someone had obviously gone through and knew what the picture was on the front, and had written the card number on the back to match up. Uh, wow. So it's just, uh, I always love oddball stuff like that, and um, those were purchased at a show about 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, the real crime was when I had to go back and start replacing them to finish the set again when I realized they weren't the right card numbers. (laughs) Well, that's frustrating, right? (laughs) I did that uh, by mistake. I collected some 49s. I thought they were some, yeah, they were 49s, but I thought they were 48s because I didn't look close enough. And, of course, when I thought I was, I was finished. I realized I wasn't. And, uh, there's nothing more frustrating than when you realize you picked up the wrong card. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Those are some of my favorite. And then something that you wouldn't think would rate up there. Um, I've been uh, trying to collect the 1976 or 77 RC Cola football cans. Oh, yeah. It, it's an amazing set. I wonder how many people in the country actually have a complete set of those. Because the storage capacity for a set of like 294 cans, pop cans, that's over 12 cases of pop. That takes up a lot of room. <laughs> and, it is. Uh, 
yeah. and a lot of well, drinking too, right? I mean, we were yeah. drinking. I got I got RC Cola Religion when those came out. Uh, yeah, a little too sweet for me. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> no, it wasn't good. But. <laughs> yeah, really. But the, the funny part about it is on the bottom of the can, and I'm not even going to get into the different types of cans they had with different crimpings of the steel and all that stuff. I'm not going to get that mm-hmm. esoteric, but there's a trivia statement or a trivia question at the bottom of each can. And I'm looking at them and all of a sudden I'm noticing there's different trivia statements for each player. Right. So it's right. not just a set of 294. I don't, I'm assuming, I'm hoping there's only like two trivia statements for each player, but even if there's only two, it now balloons it from a 12-and-a-half-K set to a 25-K set. Um, wow. so how, many of those do you, how many do you have? I, I only have uh, maybe 100, 125 so far. Oh, that's all. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's really funny because you'll either find them sold individually you know, buy a dealer who'll have one or two cans and they'll want five or ten dollars for a can, or you'll find someone that has a box of twenty five and they'll give you the whole box of twenty five for five bucks because they just don't want to carry it around anymore. Right. So right. one can's five bucks or or twenty five cans is five bucks. The price doesn't change. Huh. Uh, so it's kind of funny. It's like how much do I have to pay you to take these and store them? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Because you know, no one, you know, we're, we're addicted to this. We can't throw anything away. Right. Uh, right. So, yeah. So, so look at the extremes I'm talking here. Yo, 1948 Bowman football wrong backs, and then RC Cola football cans. You know, among my favorite things. Um, you know, as for regular cards. Uh, you know, a couple of the beautiful sets that I've always loved was the 55 Tops All-Americans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's still a college set. Um, Tops hadn't switched to the NFL yet, the pro players. Um, whereas the Bowman cards that have been coming out were all pros for all those years. So that was a nice contrast between the college and the pros being issued at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. but there's just so many great names and pictures in the Tops All-American set. Uh, it's one of my favorite sets. The Bowman, the, the beautiful set to me is the 53 Bowman uh, set. Mm. The color photos are just striking um, and, you know, chock full of Hall of Famers and uh, being from Detroit, uh, Detroit actually had football team, a professional team uh, in the 50s that was a championship team. And it had a yes, bunch of were. those guys that, uh, yeah, in my lifetime, I'm only 56 years old. Um, I believe the Lions have won one playoff game in my lifetime. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, that, that's worse than Cleveland, guys. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, difficult being, it, it, it's difficult being a Lions fan. I, I got to tell you. Um, but, uh, so for me to get the guys in the fifties, when we actually won a championship with Bobby Wayne in 57, mm, Joe Schmidt. our last championship, mm. uh, it's really yeah. something special. So I, I love the, uh, Bowman football, uh, just thinking those are really some sharp, sharp cards. That's great stuff. Do you, uh, yeah. you mentioned some of your collecting goals. You're trying to get a tickle a year and you're finishing up your 1950 yeah. tops. You know, where where are you headed with your runs and your sets? Do you have other things that you're really trying to focus on finishing or that you're starting to move into now? Yeah, I had um, gotten big time into the Coke football caps of the 60s. Um, most people know them from 64 to 66. There was a Packer set. Bob, do you have that, the 71 Packers? Coke I got the, yeah, I got the 71 uh, Packers set, and I got most of the uh, – the uh, earlier, the mid '60s ones, but I'm yeah. missing a handful from those. Right, right. 
So those are great. And there's actually a 63 uh, charter charger set that a lot of people wow. don't even know exists. But right. Um, right. at one time I thought I was one of the leading guys on those, but I'm finding out there's a number of guys out there uh, that have really gone after those. And uh, they're a lot of fun because you can still pick those up for a couple dollars a piece. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the sets, but the bulk of them, they issued them regionally. So for the Packers, they were issued in Wisconsin, and 1 through 36 are the Packers, and 37 through 70 were NFL All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Here in Detroit, 1 through 36 were the Lions, and 37 through 70 were the NFL All-Stars, the same All-Stars. So the All-Stars were issued in Green Bay, in Detroit, in Minnesota, in Pittsburgh, in Cleveland. Um, so the All-Stars are the commons because they're issued in every city, whereas the local team was only issued in that regional city. So, it, again, you know, what I was talking about, the team-issued stuff, gets to be very tough to finish off being in the Midwest. Um, I can't get the Houston Oilers to save my life. (laughs) The AFL wasn't wasn't printed as much as the NFL, except for maybe the Patriots and the Jets. Um, But uh, the Oilers, the Raiders, uh, very tough. Uh, The Rams, the 49ers, the Cowboys, very tough to get for me over here. You know, I can find the Bears and the Vikings and the Packers and the Browns um, here in the Midwest, but those other teams. But the the Co-Caps, uh, again, um, for those that like uh, follow a team, that's really something they should look at because, mm-hmm. let's face it, the top set or the Flair set or Philadelphia sets in the 60s, you know, Philadelphia's 200 uh, sets for, what, 12 or 14 teams. So there's maybe 14 guys per set for, per team versus 36 mm-hmm. Coke caps. So you get mm-hmm. a lot more players who may never have appeared on a card who are in these sets. So they're really That's neat true. sets. And they're only a couple dollars a cap. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a, a real fun thing to collect. Uh, especially for those of us on budgets, um, and they're out there to be found. So. And they're fun collectible too. I mean, they they look cool. Yeah. I mean, and for for us older guys, we remember them. You know, I remember them when I was a kid. I used to save them, and uh, that that's that's a real fun, a fun collectible to say the least. I got to ask you a question yeah. too. Um, sure. As far as the hobby, what do you what do you see? the hobby in the future what's changing is it getting better getting worse what do you think well i found the the conversation you and jeff was having about the pricing of the hall of fame rookie cards uh fascinating um the graded you know rookie cards hall of famers etc from an investment perspective will probably be there my big concern is we're not getting younger people into the hobby. Uh, there's a whole bunch of guys in their 50s, you know, maybe 40, late 40s, early 60s, uh, the baby boom generation that collected. But the young guys don't collect. And when we finally decide to start selling our collections, I wonder if anyone's going to be around to buy them. Mm-hmm. So well, particularly the well. sets, right? I mean, you're a set yeah. collector. I'm a set collector. Bob's a set collector. There seems to be a huge move kind of away from sets. The commons are, I know in baseball, for instance, they're just plummeting. They're even yep. graded commons. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying there. Well, and, that's why, uh, so you know, I, again, that, that's why I, again, I've, I've tried for many years now to say that we really we really need to bring more people into the hobby because exactly what you said, Mike, you know, as we get older, are we going to still be in our 80s going to the national and saying, oh, all right, did you get your chickle, you know, this year type of thing or, <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, we got to be realistic about this. 
you know, I'm going to be 60 next year, and, you know, how many more years am I going to theoretically collect? Probably I'm still going to keep collecting, but at the same time, too, you know, am I going to keep my entire run, you know, not counting all the inventory I got of everything? And don't even get get me started on my publications, you know what I mean? So it, it's 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 a valid point, and it's it's a valid issue. And I kind of wish the hobby would get together a little more closely and look at it. And, again, something I've harped on in the magazine and on the show several times. We go to a national. Look at all the box breaking where people stand around and try to get one card out of a box that's supposed to be red hot or whatever. And what are they going to do with it? That's what I like to know. You know? Yeah. And well, that, to me... Yeah, I was going to say, the worst part about those box brackets is everything else other than, you know, that one or two magic cards they're trying to find, you know, the DNA short printed one of one or whatever, is just garbage. They almost leave it there. They have no interest they do, in it. They do leave it there a lot of times. It, it, yeah. it, it just breaks my heart, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's and, kids in uh, children's hospitals that would that would love to have those cards. Don't throw it in the garbage pail. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, that, right. that really bothers me. That really bothers and, me, to say the least. You know, it, you talk about the children's hospitals. I got to put a plug in, especially as we're heading into the holiday season. Um, there's a lot of the, like the VA hospitals, there's a lot of guys that have cards, um, you know, from that dead period of, uh, what, 86 to 92 or whatever. Um, uh-huh. or maybe even more more recently that the cards are, uh, you know, you use them as fireplace logs except for they give off toxic fumes. Uh, they love that kind of stuff at VA hospitals for guys uh-huh. and for the rehab while they're there. So, um, yeah, the hospitals are a great place to donate cards that you just don't want to store anymore. Uh-huh. So I, I agree. I just want to put that kind of plug in. Right. So yeah, so my my concern for the future of the hobby is that you know who's going to be there to uh, mm-hmm. you know still want the stuff in twenty thirty years. Right, right. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you got anything else for me here, Bobby? Jeff has one more question, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, so interested in any collecting stories that you could share. Do you have a specific story of interest or something that happened while you were collecting that you found interesting or amusing during your collecting journey? Um, well, I was mentioning the Coke caps earlier. Um, God, this had to be, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Someone who wrote an article for the SCD magazine got my name and number somehow, uh, and unbeknownst to me, wrote an article about Coke football caps in the SCD and put my name and number out there as a big collector of them. <laughs> and the magazine, the magazine happened to hit the day I had some minor surgery. And I'm brought home from the hospital, half on drugs, you know, knocked out. And my phone rang all day long wow. with people thinking <laughs> I, I would sell coke It was like all of a sudden, you know, my name is out there. I am the coke expert in any question. And, that, and, you know, yeah. and they all wanted to buy my coke-caps. And I, I don't sell. I'm a collector. It's like I'm happy to trade with you, especially if you're in another city, you know. I've got the ones in the Midwest I'll send to you for ones out in your area. And uh, so that was one of the funniest ones. Was I remember it's like, okay, I hope I did just promise the same thing to six different people because I am so drugged up. I have no idea what to do. Oh, brother. I remember you telling uh, me that story. And I remember, I, I remember when that article came <laughs> too, and I'm saying, why did he put his name and phone number? Yeah, yeah really. Good, good. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that's an yeah. unwritten rule of, of the hobby. You don't, you, you know. You always go through right. the magazine or whatever type of thing. Wow. Yeah, Unbelievable. And, I, and I, had, I had no knowledge of it ahead of time. 
It, it was just a complete, <laughs> you know, <laughs> blindside on that one. Unbelievable. Mike, wrapping this up, uh, final comments. Any advice for somebody who wants to get into collecting football cards and or football memorabilia? You're uh, a super yes. collector. You've been in the hobby for years. What's your advice, if any? Um, I don't like price guys um, because huh. we lose sight of it as being a hobby and for fun. Find something that you really like. Uh, my story of the 65 tops football that being the tall boys being odd, you know, really drew me to them or the Coke football caps, a, a different type of thing. Um, so find something you really enjoy yourself. And if you like it, then it's worth buying. And uh, don't worry about the price guy or how am I going to triple my money in the next six hours on these cards. <laughs> it's, meant, it's meant to be a hobby. Enjoy the hobby. And with those awesome. final words, enjoy the hobby. Mike, thank you for being on tonight. It was great talking. Uh, the Your collection, as far as I'm concerned, is right up there with many other super collector collections. And to me, you're a true hobbyist because, as you say, you're not worried about the price guide. And uh, you remember when the hobby was fun. And uh, as much as I remember, go go back many, many years, I'm happy to say those. That's Mike Rich. Thanks, Mike, for being on. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank and you, we'll guys. we'll be in touch soon. You're welcome. Happy holidays. I just want to – you too. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, just wrapping things up, I want to remind everybody we're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for a large selection of football cards and memorabilia on the web, msbsportscards.com, and buy BSD Auctions. Check out their website, bsdauctions.com, and make sure you register for their next auction. Jeff, incredible two shows with you, and uh, again, listening to Mike brought back a lot of memories for me when the hobby was very, very uh, small. And I go back to something I've said many, many times on the show. I used to go to card shows in the 70s and early 80s, and I would have dealers pull out these cheese boxes and Mm -hmm. shove them in my hand for $5 and get out of my table because I'm selling baseball (laughs) cards, and they they are the hottest thing. I remember going to Chaps and saying, why are you collecting football cards? They're worse. Right. They'll never be like baseball <laughs> cards. Yada 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 yada. On and on and on. Yeah. So I, anyway, I wish I was there with. I wish I was there with you, Bob. That would have been fun. You know, Mike, as you <laughs> mentioned, he's what the hobby's. He's what the hobby's all about. I mean, he's focused on eye appeal over grade. Uh, he's trading with others. He's putting sets together. He's just having fun. He's enjoying the hobby yep. and collecting experience. He's enjoying meeting other people, and that's that's really what it's all about. It is, it is, and, I, and I'll tell you, at the National, Mike gives me a good uplift when I start talking to him, because again, after grinding it out with a bunch of, uh, you know, people nickel and diamond me at the table or whatever, or, you know, talking about the magazine, whatever the case may be, Mike uh, lets me refocus and get back to my roots, too, which is uh, being a collector at heart at the same time. Well, we're almost out Absolutely. of time again, we're... We're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards, msbsportscards.com, and BSD Auctions. Check out their website, bsdauctions.com. Jeff, any final thoughts, any final words before we're going to wrap it up? No, I just uh, did one note on the hobbies or on the uh, auctions we didn't get to talk about was there were a couple of modern cards that did very well in both Heritage, um, which ended recently, and also BST. So, you know, there is a market out there for some of those rookies. Uh, for the modern stuff, somebody is picking that stuff up. Yep, I, I agree with that. I mean, there, there, there is a market for the modern stuff, and there are people collecting it. I just hope they can go back to collecting sets. I think that that's very important, or team sets at least. But the, right. you know, these guys yeah. with these one, one, in, you know, you're not going to have a super collection of one or two cards. I don't care what anybody says. That's not that's not what the hobby is about. It, it no doesn't doubt. make any sense, you know. All right, we're almost out of time. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with the uh, next show probably in two weeks, and um, we'll be 
posting who, who will be on in the future. Jeff, again, thank you very much for being my guest co-host. We will be in touch. Hey, it's been fun, Bob. Help. Thanks very much for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you for being on. I appreciate it. That's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. And, again, check out Gridiron Greats Magazine website. If you're not a subscriber, check it out and become a subscriber, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.